The U.S. Open starts Monday. It is exclusive to ESPN, presented first ball to last ball. We are joined today by two guys from Queens. They've spent a fair amount of time in their lives at the U.S. Open, from Forest Hills to this week, the new Armstrong debut. And they have played on, uh, as I said, they've played on that court already. And they have been everything from ball boy to participant to commentator, John and Patrick McEnroe. We, will, we have a small crowd, so everybody will have a chance, and um, we'll get to everybody. I will say who is up and who is on deck. And starting off, batting leadoff from Reuters, it'll be Frank Pingay, and then Barry Janoff at New York Sports Journalist. Hello, Frank. Hello, everyone. Hi, John. Hi, Patrick. Um, my first question... Hello, Frank. Hello, hello. I'll direct my first question to you, John, and Patrick. I'd love to hear you weigh in after as well. Um, it's basically about Andy Murray. I mean, he's going to make his return to Grand Slam action next week after, you know, as you know, missing much of the past year following that surgery on his right hip. And, yeah, he's only got a few tournaments under his belt, but he did make that run to the quarterfinals in Washington. All that being said, earlier today, without even being asked what his chances were, um, you know, he said after coming to New York for the last you know decade or so trying to win this event, and I know he has, but he said he doesn't feel like that's a realistic goal for him this year. And I'm wondering, is that a thought that he should be saying out loud or even one that he should allow to enter his mind as a competitor and as a former U.S. champion? Is that like, is he even entering this thing with the right mindset? Well, uh, let me uh, give you a, uh, give a shot at that. Uh, I happened to see him the other day. He more or less said the same thing to me, that it's just been a process, it's been tougher you know, coming back, it's taking longer. I think he said that to, you know, anyone that's, he's, that's asked him. Um, and in some way it deflects and takes away some of the pressure that he, he feels because you know that over in Great Britain there's high expectations every time he steps on the court, no matter how much time he's missed. So I think it's understandable that he'd want to sort of minimize the pressure and it's somewhat realistic. But I have to add that I've seen some players who have sort of, made the similar type of comments and gone on to win grand slams, you know, sort of being able to slide in the back door a little bit and sort of not being the focus of attention. So perhaps um, uh, he's being truthful, but maybe if he can get some confidence and starts to become more aware of what he's capable of, because obviously best of five is a lot different than best of three. That may, you know, help him to make at least a, a good run. Thank you. Well, I would, I, I would, I would, this is Patrick. I would say that I think that's what we want. I mean, isn't that what we want to hear from athletes that they're being honest? And, uh, you know, I mean, I've heard Nadal say that at different times that, you know, he didn't think he could. I mean, remember Matt Vlander once said he didn't think he could win the Open, then, but then he ended up actually winning it. So I think that Andy has always spoken his mind. Uh, he's been at the forefront of, uh, a lot of issues in tennis, particularly for, for women's rights as well. So I applaud him for all of that, and I applaud him for being honest. I, I happen to agree with him. I think realistically uh, he can't win this tournament, and let's hope he can use it to you know, keep working his way back and, and get back to where he has a chance. But uh, I think he's being honest in saying it's unre- unrealistic to think that he can win this right now. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you, guys. All right, Barry Janoff, New York sports journalist, and then Dade Hayes at Deadline Hollywood. 
Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the time, especially on a Friday afternoon in the summer. Um, when you look at the field and you see Serena and Murray and Djokovic and, and Nadal and Federer all in, the, all in the Grand Slam, probably the first, I think it's the first time since early 2017, does it make you appreciate all those years so much more when we, people maybe took it for granted that they were they're all going to play and they're going to keep going forever? Well, I think it gives you an appreciation of how resilient they've been and how good they've been, that they've been in the mix for so long and are still winning, you know, most of the majors. Uh, what Rafa, or particularly Roger, did coming back and winning three of the next five was one of the, you know, to me, the greatest achievement in the last 40 years. And Serena uh, having a, a baby, that's like a whole new ball game for her to figure out how to sort of, you know, keep herself motivated while starting a family. And she almost, you know, she got to the finals at Wimbledon. But obviously in tennis where uh, the interest relies on rivalries as well as the big names, it goes without saying that it's nice to see all the top players, you know, playing, playing again at the U.S. Open and with a lot at stake for, for the, you know, so the end of the year top gun and the, and, and the men and women. And I, this is Patrick. I would I would add Venus Williams to that list as well because here she is in her, you know, late 30s, still playing at a at a pretty high level. So uh, it does make you appreciate um, having them all back. You know that we missed them in, in in the last couple of years. At least having all of them there and Djokovic sort of finding you know finding his way back at Wimbledon and and now certainly one of the favorites to win this. Uh, but you know then on the, on the flip side of that is uh, who's going to step up, you know, who, who of the younger generation. We keep saying that and asking that question year after year after year, more so on the men's side, obviously, than on the women's side. But uh, that question continues to hang out there in the balance. Okay, thanks a lot. All right, next update is Deadline Hollywood and then Steve Brenner from The Sun. Hey guys, thanks. Um, Dave alluded to this at the top, and uh, I just want to ask your sense of the new Louis Armstrong. Um, that's one of the key new features. Um, hundreds of millions have, have been poured into remaking this venue. Um, standing there, playing on you know in the court, and just knowing it from so many years. What would you say the uh, new kind of landscape of the Open will feel like, both in person for the players and the crowds, as well as uh, the TV audience? I mean, what are, you, what are you sort of anticipating there? Well, I, I'm anticipating uh, some excitement because I think it's a beautiful stadium. It sounds, uh, you know, at least from what I heard, I don't know, the air conditioning was on, is a bit loud. I, I, I don't know if that will be an issue. Uh, and and uh, we'll have to wait and see when the tournament starts. Um, but in terms of the way it looks, it's awesome. In terms of the comfort level for players, it's much better. And in terms for the USDA and the TV, having two stadiums that you know you can count on to sort of have continuous tennis is going to be something that uh, is going to make, uh, I believe, everyone around the sport feel a whole lot better about things. So it, it, it looks great. Uh, obviously, it costs a lot of money, but uh, – 
I believe that um, the U.S. Open brings more money, uh, from what I understand, that couple-week period to the city than the money they receive from the Yankees, Mets, uh, Rangers, and Knicks combined for the city. So it's obviously uh, a, a big two weeks for New York you know, for for tennis. Uh, goes without saying, but even for the city and the excitement levels ramped up, and I think it will be even more so. I think people are going to love it. Yeah, this is Patrick. Um, obviously, to play there was amazing. I think it's going to be, a, a, you know, an, an incredible stadium. I think the way they did it is, is it still feels somewhat intimate, you know, for a 14,000-seat stadium, so that's hard to do. But I think overall, I think, um, you know, I think the USDA got the balance pretty pretty good in looking at the overall plan because obviously they had to put the roof over ash because of pressure and because of let's be honest financial reasons from the sponsors from the fans from television and but i also think what they did in in redoing the grounds is i think they also made it better for the fan you know for the regular fan i mean obviously the ticket prices go up and the prices certainly for the corporate boxes you know go way up with the new, both new stadiums. But I think I give credit to the USDA because I think that they, they realized that they, they had to do that to bring in more revenue, obviously to su- support what they do. But I think by opening up the grounds and building the new grandstand and, you know, separating the courts more to individual courts, they made more space for the, for the fans. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a nicer setting now for the person that buys a grounds pass to come in, in into the tournament. So I think they found the balance pretty good in that respect where they obviously having another roof, as John said, you know, helps in a big way with knowing that especially the semis and the finals matches are going to get played on time or relatively on time for the fans there, for the sponsors and for television. Great. Thanks so much. Speaking of television, the uh, other point about the uh, new stadium is that it will have scheduled night sessions for the first time. So we will have our choice of two matches uh, in the evening, uh, Ash and Armstrong, uh, to cover. Next up, Gavin Barry at the Daily Record, and then, uh, Barry, we're going to get back to you. Um, you thought that maybe Andy Murray was making comments that we not been able to want it maybe to take away some of the pressure from himself. But from what you have seen of him recently, I mean, do you believe from what you've seen that he has a chance of going far at all? Um, I'm assuming by the accent he's re- he's talking about Murray. Yes. Yeah. Because you were saying uh, earlier that maybe he was trying to relieve some of the pressure from himself with his comments, but I mean, from what you've seen, what, what do you believe? And can I also ask you how you feel if you were playing against him in his current state, how would you be approaching it? Well, you know, your question is something that's, you know, virtually impossible to answer. Uh, the best answer I could give you is that Depending on how close he is to being Andy Murray, of course he has a chance, to, you know, against anybody. Uh, you know, but you know, mentally, in terms of and physically, you know, how far back is he in terms of his fitness and tennis? Uh, is his hip bothering him? I didn't have enough time, you know, to sit and drill him on these questions. Nor do I 
think he would answer him to me even if, if, if we did have the time. And, and he may not even know the answer to this, to this. But you're talking about a guy that's a, you know, a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer who has been there and done that. You know? So to think that he couldn't go out and do some damage or you know, make some inroads I think would be a mistake. To be able to go seven matches and, and to win those, that's the part where I think the body and the mind are not used to that and the, the recovery would be more difficult. So it would sort of have, the cards would have to play out perfectly for him, I believe, in terms of scheduling, in terms of his rest and recovery so that he'd be able to really make a run at it and, you know, go at least reasonably deep in the tournament. Okay, thank you. All right, back to Barry Janoff of NewYorkSports.com, and then um, Dade again, if you have a second follow-up. Hey, um, Phil and Tiger are playing each other for $9 million in that match. Would that work in tennis because the guys play each other so much, or is there a way to make that work? And would you guys play each other for $9 million, John and Patrick? <laughs> Sign me up, we're, baby. We're, Sign me up. We're headed to the court right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that'll work. I mean, they've. You know, it, 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 it's sort of. Uh, I'm. I'm surprised that there's going to be a pay-per-view between Phil and Tiger when they're clearly, you know, sort of not at their peak of powers. But um, you God bless them um, if they can go out and, and spark that interest. And obviously in golf, you're not out there playing directly against the other person. You know, the shots you make don't directly influence necessarily. Maybe they do mentally a little bit, what the other guy does, but uh, that's why match playing golf is, is, is interesting to see when they are sort of playing one-on-one, hole-by-hole. So, I mean, it would certainly be interesting. It would be – it would. I don't know. They'd have to make it, to me, somewhat different in tennis, I would think, because that's what we do all the time is we play against each other. Uh, so I don't see how it would, you know, unless you did something different, that you could really make that work. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, let's see. Dade Dade is on the line, but he's going to just keep listening, and that uh, brings us back. Uh, We'll finish up with Steve Brenner at The Sun. Uh, Thanks, guys. John, John, just going back to what you said about Andy before, we we know the physical sort of difficulties of coming back from a hip injury, but but mentally, how difficult is it for such a great champion to to come back and effectively just start again and and say what he said? How how difficult is that for him, do you think, and and for players in general? Well, I think that uh, the last thing that any athlete in any sport, and in tennis, when you're out there by yourself, you you want to at least feel like you're going out to a large extent on your own terms. You don't want it to be that you can't continue your, your career because of injury or that you weren't able to uh, play up to uh, play as long as you wanted because of that. And then there's the frustration. You know, he's been out a full year. That's an, a long time to, to miss. And uh, it's I think that Roger did something remarkable even taking six months and being able to come back and win it, win in Australia. That's unbelievably difficult to do. I think you see with even Novak for a while and, and Stan Wawrinka, um, how difficult that's just, you know, a couple guys, uh, how difficult it is to be able to bounce back and, and to be the player that you 
that you were before and, and hope to be in the future. So there's a, there's a lot of emotions and frustration, and, and, and mentally it's, it, it takes its toll. And then physically, you know, not knowing if a move is going to cause something that could re-injure a, a part of your body that's so essential to movement and to what made Murray great in the first place. You know, my hip started bothering me. I never had a surgery like Andy did, but that was part of the reason I took the time off among other things, when I took the six months off, and I'm another guy who came back, and I was never the same player that when, that, that I was before. So, you know, it's a, it's a somewhat sobering and frightening thought, but it's also you start to realize that, hey, I love the sport and you want to be back in the mix. And so from that standpoint, I'm sure he's excited. And Knowing him, I don't know him well, but I know him well enough to know that he, he's, he, he's done and will continue to do everything he can to get, you know, back to as close to what he was as possible. And, and then, you know, he'll be out there in, in some big matches, and he's gonna, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll be able to appreciate all the effort he's put in to get back. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just finish up by saying this is Patrick, that um, I think we saw from Andy, you know, and his emotions after that long match he played in Washington, you know, that he won mm-hmm. and, he, and he, you know, just broke down in tears on the changeover, I mean, at the, after the match, um, you know, how much it means to him. And I think he's a guy that, as John said, I mean, this guy's one of the hardest workers to ever play. And, and more than the other top guys, I think he you know, he relies even more on his defense than those guys. So movement to him is is absolutely essential um, for him to play the style of game he needs to play to compete. So it's great to see him back. Um, you know, I think he can get back to that to that level. But obviously, you know, a hip for a tennis player is is very difficult. And um, you know, I, I, I had injuries to my shoulder, and obviously I wasn't near the level of, of an Andy Murray. But when you do come back, whatever level you're at, and you feel like, you know, you're 80% of what you were, um, and you're playing against the best players in the world, you know, that can be really difficult. So for Murray, who's at such a high level, to know that he's going out there against players that, you know, two, three years ago he would have beaten comfortably, and now he's struggling. Um, you know, that's difficult. But uh, as John said, and I think we've heard him say, that he appreciates tennis, you know, maybe more than ever. So let's hope that he can come back 100% and uh, give himself another chance to, to, to get to the, to stay at the top, to be at the top again. You were never the same player, John, after your hip problem? No, unfortunately I wasn't. You know, I did a lot of different things and um... – I felt like that time off would refresh me. I had my first child during that period of time. Um, the plan, I, I've got to be honest, was to come back and be a better player. You know, I thought that there was a, another gear I could find, and I didn't find it. So it was tremendously disappointing and frustrating. And so, um, you know, I never felt like I moved as well uh, as I did the first seven or eight years of my career. And and, and that's that's hard for that not to be in your head. Now, I, you know, uh, Andy's had surgery. Um, he's extremely dedicated. Uh, I think teams in general and uh, the players are more aware of what maybe needs to be done or what can be done. There's a lot of fresh data out there to help players sort of recover. So hopefully he'll be able to get back to, you know, at least close to 100% because 
So you, the game, you never had surgery. Sped up you even never more. had surgery. You never had surgery. I though. never did have surgery. I, I never did. I, I, you know, perhaps his, you know, maybe his his injury is more serious than mine. Now, you know, I had a sort of a sure. partially torn labrum and constant, you know, pain, but not to the point where I, you know, couldn't do things to play. But his, he had a surgery, and you know, obviously, you can see from being a year off how how long it's taken him to, you know, even start on the trail back. Great, thank you. All right, I know we have everybody still on the line, and let me uh, just help everybody out with, uh, I don't know if you guys, you want to make a, a flat-out prediction, but whose draw do you like, and who got stuck with a tough one? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, looking at the draw, you see that, um, for example, you see Roth, uh, not Roth, uh, Roger and Novak in the same draw, so uh, same quarter, excuse me. So, you know, that uh, that would lead me to believe off the top of my head that, you know, when you look at Rafa's draw, his his draw is, is promising. And then it opens the door for some of these other guys, you know, if they're going to step up. You know, the guys that we, we haven't necessarily uh, heard from maybe enough or, you know, have this opportunity to do something big at, at a major where there's a lot at stake. So, um we have to, we have to wait and see because uh, to me it would be hard pressed for me to pick uh, someone besides one of those three guys. But having Novak and Roger in one quarter, well, that means that guys you know presumably would have to be at most you know two of these guys unless they're in that same section. And so you would think that that opens the door for some something you know somewhere along the line where. Uh, Someone like Zverev or um, uh, would be able to make, or you know, I'm I'm trying to look at where Del Potro is in all of this, uh, where he stands. Um, seeing um, Rafa's court, I don't see. The, he's in Rafa's half because he's the top four. Rafa's half. Yeah. So you know that leads me to believe that. Um, you know, there's someone out there like uh, that player. You know, I'm uh, I'm looking here. Um, uh, you know, uh, but but the other other when you're talking about winning this event, um, it's going to have to be something. You know, and and not be one of those guys. It's going to be something surprising where a guy like two or three of these guys lose early enough where it's just going to open the door for someone. But that at the moment seems fairly unlikely to happen. Yeah, this is this is Patrick. I mean, obviously, um, Roger got a tough draw overall. You know, in addition to having to play Novak in the quarters, you know, it's not that easy for him necessarily to to, to get there. Um, you know, Sissipas is another guy to I think keep an eye on. You know, he had a big tournament in Canada. The young the youngster from Greece. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are saying Djokovic is the favorite. I I actually still think Nadal's the favorite, and and he's my pick to win it. Because um, you know, I think he played played well in Canada. You know, he's fresh coming in. I think he was smart to miss Cincinnati. Um, you know, certainly one of the matches of the year was the semifinal loss in Wimbledon to Novak. But I think a hard court um, is a is a better surface for Rafa. I mean, obviously Djokovic is awesome on hard court too. But um, the fact that they played so close at Wimbledon, where I think Djokovic is is definitely a better grass court player than Rafa. 
Um, and I think Ralph is going to be incredibly motivated, you know, to win it because uh, he wants, you know, he, he, he sees that he can, he can run down Roger, you know, in overall majors and not to mention the fact he wants to keep Djokovic at bay. So those three guys are the, are the clear favorites, but I think, you know, Roger has looked, you know, looked a little bit shaky in Cincinnati, although a shaky Roger still made it to the final. So, you know, he's got to try to catch fire. And if he can catch fire in week number two, you know, that's, that's when he becomes super dangerous. But John and I were lucky enough to play on that, uh, uh, the Armstrong court. And uh, we both thought, you know, even though we don't really hit the ball that hard, uh, that it's pretty darn slow. So if it's, if it's slow on Arthur Ashe Stadium as well, which is what I'm hearing, um, I think that hurts better more than the other two guys. All right, and uh, we have a new uh, guest to the party here, Ava Wallace at the Washington Post, I uh, hear has been on. And so, Ava, you are uh, up, and uh, you've got John and Patrick McEnroe here. Hi guys, um, thanks very much. Hopefully, I'm I'm not repeating a question, but um, it is the first tournament, I believe, since Wimbledon in 2017 that um, all four of the big four are back and competing, and you know, in kind of various states of healthiness. But um, just wondering, especially here in New York, where spectacle is such a big part of it, how special is it to have that reunion um, here? Well, if you think about the fact that Federer won Australia and he's, you know, our greatest player ever, Nadal won the French and he's our, you know, second greatest, and Djokovic won Wimbledon, who's, you know, one of our top four or five greatest ever, and Murray, you know, is the first ballot Hall of Famer, and, you know, guys, even Vavrinka's won three, but if you look at those four, uh, and especially so far, there seems to be a bit of a vacuum about who's going to step up and the unknown. And, you know, you're talking about like a, a, a historic time in our sport for the past 10 years. Certainly, the excitement level should be high knowing how few times in the future that you're going to see a situation where, you know, the top three guys are all expected to get to, well, because two play in the quarters, you're only going to probably have two, but deep runs in the tournament. And then Murray, obviously, is working his way back. So this is is the situation where the number one ranking uh, is going to be at stake, and um, it's, got a, it, it's got a lot of ramifications for where the fallout is in the future for those guys. If Rafa were to win this, he'd be closer to Roger. If Novak were to win it, he'd be close to Rafa and all-time Grand Slams. And Roger, if he were able to win it at his at 37 now, would set a new standard and, you know, just add to his record of slams. So this is a, a pretty exciting tournament for us. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's, a special, it's a special time because I think uh, we definitely got spoiled and now we have a chance to get spoiled again. And let's, let's hope Murray can get back in the mix, I don't. Uh, we did discuss it earlier on the call, Ava. I don't. I don't we, we both agree that he's not really back to the level where he can compete to, to try to win the title. Um, but uh, obviously, the other three guys, you could make a case for any of three of them that they can win this. And, and realistically, you can't. You couldn't really make a case for anybody else. Uh, maybe Del Potro or Chilich. You know, those guys certainly. You know, they've won here before. Um, but it's hard to make a case outside the top three that someone legitimately has a shot to win this whole thing. Thank 
Thank you very much. David, we've sort of made the rounds here. If you've got anything else to uh, follow up or you want to hit on the uh, the women's side, uh, feel free. Sorry. Oh, sorry. You guys are breaking up, but that was um, that was all I had. You guys hit on everything. All right. Well, then uh, we will uh, wrap things up here. Thank you all for your time. John and Patrick, thank you very much. Everything gets started Monday from ESPN, uh, first ball to last ball.